This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. D20 Radio, your gamer's role. you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. Thank you folks for bearing with us while we took a little bit of a break and welcome back. I'm joined by Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> today is going to be interesting. Uh, we are recording Croaton Song and uh, you know it has been uh, a little bit of time since we uh, got in front of the microphones to do this so this is going to be exciting it's going to be good who are you i don't know who i am who are I you know, right i'm like i don't know <laughs> so i want to warn everybody I, lo- I love that every time i do this i have to warn people um i, I am sick i have the flu um that's a-, a good reason why we're doing this uh over zoom um no i have the flu and so every everything is tinted with weird fever dreams. <laughs> so, so take that into account with my review. Totally fair. <laughs> um, before we get into the review, uh, just a reminder to folks, we do have a Patreon. If you want to become a patron, we would love to have you. Werewolf the Podcast does lots of different things for our patrons, including becoming a member of our Discord, where you can talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse and all the other things that we decide to talk about, which can be lots of random discussions. <laughs> a lot of random stuff. <laughs> it's good. It's definitely a good crew. So if you want to join, uh, please check out the Patreon and do that. Uh, but today we're talking about an interesting book that was released in 2000. It was written by Bill Bridges, Jackie Quesada, and Nikki Rea. It has art by Joe Corney, Richard Kane Ferguson, Jeff Holt, Brian LeBanc, and Chuck Reagan. This is Croaton Song. And let's start at the beginning. Carrie, what do you think about the cover? I actually had a whole long conversation before, not recorded, uh, with my husband about the art in this book. Because they clearly made some artistic choices, you know, is starting with the cover. And it just feels like this entire book's art was meant to be changeling art. And so, like, And I understand why, I I think I know why they chose to do this. Everything feels very spiritual. It feels very earthy, but like mystical, a wispiness to it, I I suppose is the right word. It's not bad art. I just, I don't know. I think I wanted something a little bit more hearty for a cover, you know, because it falls into this, a little bit of this like natural element, uh, you know, almost mysticism. And while I understand that's what the the Croatan or Croatan, I'm not sure which way is the proper way to pronounce it. I'm not um, sure either. And I, I'm, I'm sure that they were just trying to convey a little bit more about the tribe. But there are three tribes represented in this book. And I don't know, like it, it's a very pretty cover. I don't know that it is the correct cover. Yeah. So dialing back for just a second. So this is, a, that is about... In theory, the Americas before colonization. So it is supposed to kind of represent this idea of here's here is a book that allows you to tell stories about Native Americans in America prior to colonization, including all three of the uh, Pure Lands tribes: the Croatan, uh, the Bane Tenders, and the Ice Hearts, or yeah, older, middle, and younger brother, depending on what terms you want to use for them. Um, again, I'm still avoiding the terms in the book for, um, you know, two of the tribes. Um, but we've got 
we are supposed to have in this book information enough to play middle brother for the first time. And we'll get into that. (laughs) This cover really doesn't give you a hint for what's in the book. It does in a way that I don't think, I don't know. It just doesn't capture me in a way that I would want. If this was a changeling cover, I'd be like, Oh yeah, get it. You know, but it's not a changeling cover. Yep. Yep. And it starts off with that same style of art before the introductory story where it, it's very wispy. It it's, uh, looks like it's happening in a river and there are these river spirits maybe that are being fought by werewolves. And it, it's got kind of like a dreamlike quality to it, which I think mm-hmm. is what you're talking about when it has that sort of changeling feel to it. So, and they do eventually talk about in this book about using it as ancestor visions and things like that, that you can utilize for your games. And part of me can see that and can see what they're sort of trying to go for with the art in this book. But again, it doesn't capture me in the same way that I think a lot of werewolf art does. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's beautiful art. It's beautiful art. I think that they just didn't, um, I, it's not even that they didn't have a vision for the art for the book, because clearly they did, because it is throughout the whole book. It feels very connected. Um, I don't know that it's telling a story the way uh, some of the books have in the past, where you go, oh, from this book, from this artwork to this artwork to this artwork, I see how it's changing. Like, it doesn't feel that way to me. Yeah, I agree. So there, It's beautiful art, but I don't know that it works. Yeah. And the... The starting story is a creation myth of the Americas and how the three tribes of werewolves kind of arrive in the Americas. What I like, one of the things that I really like that I'm going to rant on for just a second is a lot of Native American cultures have a belief that they have always been in the Americas. And then there is this scientific pressure to talk about the Bering Strait movement. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of uh, of Native American folks who are like, you know what, we've always been in the Americas. It doesn't matter how long we've been here and kind of please stop assuming that. And what I like in this story is that while the three tribes do come across the Bering Strait, there are already people in the Americas when they get there. So yeah. there is a bit of a mix of like acceptance of Native American tradition in saying, hey, Native American peoples have always been here to some degree, but then there are other people that have come as well in this second wave of, of migration. And I think that's an interesting middle road to be in. And yeah. I, think, uh, I think it's an interesting take at least. And I think this is a decent story it reads a little bit like a faux Native American creation story. And I think that's kind of what they were going for. And I think that's good and bad. It feels a little bit odd in places where it just doesn't feel quite the right way to have written some bits and then other bits. It's just, seems oddly fractious. Well, okay. Let's just, it is very hard to write a book about, three Native American tribes without some kind of, even if it's with positivity, uh, cultural appropriation. I mean, we we should just come out and say that, you know, I don't know that any of the writers on this were Native American. I don't know. But even still, it's, as, as two white people, <laughs> it is, it, it is, this is a very hard book for us to talk about because, you know, if we go, we really like this book. Well, you know, I, I don't know how accurate, but then again, it's also about werewolves. Werewolves aren't accurate. I know, I know. I'm sorry, everyone. But like, and so it's like this, like, where's the grain of salt at? Right. I don't know. Right. Right. I, I feel like they, de- they do a very decent job in this book about being pu- 
polite is the word I want to use, but that's not quite <laughs> right. They're, they are not trying to be appropriative in the way they're writing. And they're trying to be respectful. There's a lot of, uh, definitely for the year 2000, there's a, a, an attempt to be really respectful and honor Native American tradition and Native American peoples in an honest way. And everything mm -hmm. that is discussed in this book about colonization and about the interactions between Native American people and European colonists and, and all of that and the genocides that occurred, all of that is done in a very appropriate way. And I think they look at Native American cultures in a very balanced way where they present both uh, the, the good and the bad and kind of the honest truths of Native American uh, interactions with each other yeah. pre-colonization and with, uh, with uh, white folks um, afterwards in a fairly honest way. And I like that, but again, without, without having folks that you know are from Native American traditions writing for a book, it makes you kind of go, what are you missing potentially? And that's how I, that uh, spoiler, that's kind of how I feel about this book as a whole. I feel like I don't know maybe what is being missed with this book. But on the flip side, you know, when, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when I was growing up, you know, I, I can remember the first time I played Shadowrun. And they they had a you know they have their little the the Native American stuff that happens in the mythos and Shatterer. I remember I was so pleasantly surprised that there was any representation right at all. So like there there's also like you go they're trying, <laughs> you right. know? So I I don't know the, the the that that kind of thing might be above my pay grade to even be able to really uh, critique. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's fair, and I think, I think they do do a decent job of giving a broad outline of at least North American and some Central American Native cultures in a way that allows you and that provides enough information that if you want to utilize some story elements of this book in your games, you can do mm -hmm. so in a way that is at least respectful. And it's at least a starting point. It is. It, it's at least a, a starting point for you to go. Now I'm going to go do some more research, particularly with the internet that we have today. Yes. Yes. So I think that's good. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like it, it's definitely not bad. It's not a, a book that makes me feel like they've done this horribly. It's not that by any stretch, but there are some things in here that we're going to get into that I just kind of look at and go, this could have been done better. And yeah, so let's dig into that, I guess. Yeah, sorry, we, we just we just jumped to the end. We were like, yeah. this, the end. <laughs> Wait, no. So uh, it starts off with that uh, opening fiction, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. um, and then it has an introduction, which talks about, which is told in character, which I... I have some struggle with, or at least there are bits and pieces of this that are told in character. And I always am like, there needs, there's a balance with that. And I, I almost would have preferred if this was all completely out of character, because then I would have been able to figure out this is, this is just the history. This is just the information being provided to me rather than coming from an unreliable narrator that I don't know if I can trust. But that's White Wolf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's one of those books that like sometimes it works and sometimes I go, yeah. I don't know if it's working in this part. They do have a good uh, conversation about the use of different uh, words and the use of nation for Native American groups. They do interchange term Indian and Native American. Uh, they use both of those for, you know, some folks have, have a preference one way or the other, but they use mm -hmm. both in this. And they do use the uh, official tribe names in this book. They generally tend to use some of the older non-native forms of certain nations' names, like the Cherokee and the uh, Powhatan and Apache, Apache, for example. 
Um, but sometimes they use or they'll provide a more accurate name of a nation as well for you to utilize. So it's, it's good that they have both of those, or they have some of those tools there and some of that information there. They then mix some, they have a lexicon. And ooh, ooh, I'm, you, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my frustration with the lexicon is that they utilize native terms from all around the continent and then use uh, some terms that are not Native American terms for gr groups or like auspices and things like that. And I don't quite like if you're going to go there, go all the way. All right. So here is my big complaint. When they speak in the guru tongue, it is the same guru tongue that every other tribe on Gaia speaks. There, there is no Croatan guru tongue. It is just guru tongue. Right. So when they say philodox, every guru should know what they're talking about. And it, it's just frustrating because they're not true upon themselves for, for, the the mythos isn't even true upon itself for for the language and that's super frustrating but then on top of it like you said like younger brother has all these different terms for the auspices and then older and middle brother are using guru terms and you're like okay even the pure land tribes aren't even being true upon themselves makes no sense and it makes me frustrated and i don't like it yeah uh, I feel similarly where I don't, uh, I, uh, I would accept a couple of additional terms or, or different terms where they're like, we also use these terms to refer to things. I'd have been mm -hmm. okay with that. But again, the, the, the get do that, right? Right. Yeah. And some of the other tribes do it. Yeah. But yeah. There is this idea that there is an Ur language that all the Garu speak because the spirits teach it to them. Mm -hmm. And to not have that. And even they use the Garu tongue to talk to the worm bringers when they come and with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Europeans and all of that. So that exists, but it's, yeah, I, I think we could probably go off on that for a while, but it's just one of those things that you will occasionally wander across a term and you'd be like, how is this being used here? Is it the right term? I'm glad I have this term. Um, and there's some useful ones here, but again, it's used sparingly and used kind of at odd points. And you're right, with younger yeah. brother, they have them use it, but then not <coughs> with older brother. And I don't quite know why. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it just makes it feel even more uh, disconnected. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the tragedy of the, these three tribes is that they should be connected not only to each other, but to the guru that come like the, that sense of betrayal is only there because, you know, we speak the same guru tongue. We, you know, we clearly are on the same side and yet we're, you know, you're stealing my, 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 my land and stuff, right. you know, so. Stealing my land, killing my kinfolk, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, devastating this land and you're acting like the worm and yep. it should be a bigger impact. And it, yet it, there is that disconnect and some of that disconnect is okay. And then some of it is like the, there should be a bit more of a sense of we are on the same mission yeah. and that sense of betrayal should be there. Yeah. I think most players when they role play this stuff have it i think just the book doesn't right okay okay hey, yeah and that brings us to chapter one uh which is a history chapter and this is told through song and story and in character and it is told uh it repeats the story from the introduction about uh, how the three tribes came to the Americas and how they uh, start interacting with the peoples that were already there and bringing some other peoples and so forth. And it, in theory, gives you enough information to understand who the Croatan are. 
but I don't feel like if this was supposed to be a tribe book for the Croatan, it fails because it's oh, much it's more not. about older brother and younger brother than it is about yeah. the Croatan. My biggest complaint is it's hella long and doesn't give you enough. Right. Like it's super flowery, but not even in like a fun to read kind of way. <laughs> and, and so this could be the flu, but like I struggled through a lot of this book. You know, like I wrote down notes that I don't even know what they make. I'm even referring to. So <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Like I just they retell the story. Why are you retelling me the story? Right. Give me something new. Yeah. And they give information on this idea that there were worm beasts in the Americas that the, that older brother has and all the other tribes have to specifically go and deal with, and they're being called to deal with these, these worm beasts. The idea is that there's worm beast and Gaia calls all of the werewolves and says, yo, I need help over here. And only the three brothers are, are the, are the bestest kids and go. Right. Which, you know, that that's every tribe and creation myth and all that are like, no, we we're the special ones who listened and did what mom said we should do. You know, and that's, that's fine, you know, but it's also like roll your eyes. Cause like, of course. Right. Of course you're special. What I find frustrating is they don't quite give us enough reason or explanation for what is done to those worm beasts. Like we get the idea that some of them are chained by the, my older brother and they're, and they're uh, locked down and they're um, locked away, but there should be some stories about the fights. Yeah, there should be epic battles. No, there's just, they got there and did their thing. Oh, okay. Right. And I look at that and kind of go, well, that seems like a missed opportunity for ancestor stories that you could tell with this, with this book. And if, and since one of the goals of the book is the opportunity to do that, they don't, give you enough of those stories to latch on to and then draw from. They do tell us a lot about the idea of the mound builders who are a group uh, of uh, a fairly not well understood group of native American uh, structures called uh, mounds were built in, uh, I believe, Indiana and Illinois. um, And the Croatan are kind of connected to that in this storyline. And, there are some stories to believe that the people that built the mounds um, either collapsed as a society or a civilization and other native nations uh, kind of remember them, but are not directly related to them. Maybe there was some uh, event that occurred and they kind of give an explanation in this story that they fell to the worm and, or maybe the weaver. It's a little unclear. Well, it, it, and that, that they fell, they were falling. They right. were in the process. And because I actually, I did write, write about that. Um, because then um, basically the Croatan went, yo, turtle. And turtle was like, what? And then shook his back. And then they implied it was a great earthquake that, that destroyed all that. Um, what I thought was really interesting is they said after, after that, that um, everything was messed up, including Karen powers. Right. And I thought that was interesting because without saying it, they were talking about the ley lines getting shuffled. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, that's neat. And there's an interesting story hook there that doesn't really get pulled on, right? Like there's a lot of those little like mentions, like this idea that Helios was the main spirit Mm -hmm. For the Croaton, even, uh-huh. and that the mound builders were also connected to this sun worship. Okay, and that's interesting. I want to know a little bit more about that. And then they, they kind of give you a little bit in pieces, but not enough to build a story off of. 
like there's just this hint of a story and then they kind of move away from it. Yeah, I just because like as soon as you do that, then all of a sudden I feel like the were ravens should be involved and it, it yeah, like it, it feels like they focused on the wrong things in this book. Yeah. It feels like they focused so much on getting the history of the Native Americans and the names of the tribes and those things in the book that they missed all of the guru history. Right. And I, I get that that's a weird balance, but I, they missed it. Yeah. And I think they, like they don't give you a, a reason for why the Croatan sacrificed themselves in this book. Okay. <laughs> like they, they set it up. They set up that this is a, uh, a prophecy that is going to occur that middle brother from the beginning, Gaia knows that middle brother is going to do something um, not foolish, but overly protective. Almost you get the sense almost of zealous. Uh, yeah. And that they're going to destroy themselves even when they might, it might not be good that they do so. And I want, I wanted an actual explanation for why the entire tribe threw themselves at the Eater of Souls. I believe it was Eater of Souls. I think so, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I think it was. And Whatever, we're werewolf experts. Right, right sure. <laughs> um, and we don't get that. And, I'm, and they, they hint at bits and pieces. They kind of lay the foundation for ideas. And I get... That as a storyteller, you can make up your own story from some of the bits and pieces that they give you. But in something called Croatan Song, I, I want the song. I expect to be given the song about mm -hmm. the moot where they all decided we are doing this and this and is why. Yeah. Like, was it unanimous? Like, right. was there like one ragabash who was like, hey, guys, let's talk about this. I kind of like living, you know, like, I, you know, like, did they talk to Turtle? Where they're like, hey, turtle, you cool if we all die? Yeah, no, oh, sorry, bye, go to sleep. You know, like, th there, there's so many questions and no answers. Yeah, and the questions aren't even enough to spur you on to storytelling. Like, yeah. sometimes stories, questions are good for making me go, I can fill in an answer here. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of questions that just kind of they're too big. sit there. They're too big. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, they give you in, in chapter one, more information about younger brother and older brother and where they live and the separation of younger brother between the Eastern uh, uh, woodlands of, uh, of the Northeast and uh, the Pacific Northwest and why it's the same uh, Garu tribe across those two areas but they don't directly interact with one another. And I want to know more about that. Like there's actually two separate, at least two separate tribes of Geru there who are claiming mm -hmm. the same totem and yet, and have totally different cultures in a lot of ways. And we don't get enough about the, uh, the younger brother split and how that yeah. carries forward into the future. But we get this idea that there is a yeah, split there. There isn't really a split in the future, is there? Not that I know of. Yeah, not that I've ever read. You know, so like at some point they get back together and one side, you know, and the more calm side goes, you know, no, you're right. Let's rage. You know, like, yeah, there, there should have been something in the book about that. Yep. And it's, it's one of those things where it's, again, it's a missed opportunity. It, it's just a missed opportunity for a good story hook. And they kind of dance around the story hook rather than driving into it. Mm -hmm. And then we get into, we get into uh, like some of the colonization story and some of that information and all of that's helpful. But again, it feels like I'm gonna, I guess I'm belaboring a point. I'm trying to get to chapter two, but <laughs> it feels like there's, there's not enough given to me also at the same time. Like there's a lot written, but not enough of yeah. like an actual story that I can tell or pull from or 
ideas to to use. Now, okay, I'm gonna say something positive. There are a couple like little stories in chapter one that I went I could do something with. Like there's the um the cursed coin mm-hmm. is talked about in chapter one where a younger brother curses a, a copper coin, I think it is, or think, some kind yeah. of coin. Yep. And whoever gets it ends up becoming like a psychopathic murderer, which I was like, oh, that's pleasant. Um, like, I would love to have to run a story, a modern day story with the cursed coin where a younger brother has to find it and fix it. Right. Let's. OK, enough vengeance. This blood has been spilled. It is time to heal and move on. You know, like I. I feel like some of these are really neat ideas. You just got to work them outside of the book. Yeah. So I, I think another good idea that's in here is the hidden cairn is that there's this cairn in particular that is kind of like a perfect cairn that's hi- hidden away from all European Garu and all of these other, uh, any of the worm bringers. And I think, there's an interesting story there, um, particularly because it ties in the red talons and I could use that idea. Yeah. And that I think is interesting. It's interesting to note that the red talons may have been in the Americas prior to colonization too. And that sort of danced around and mentioned like they could Mm -hmm. be here and I'd like, we we don't talk about that. Right. But I like the idea of the hidden cairn. I like this idea of there being a cairn that's hidden away, that's really powerful, that has a specific connection to maybe uh, one of the legendary realms or something like that. There's stuff you could do with that that I think is interesting. So there's some story hook ideas in here. It's just not as many as I would want for the word count that's present. Yes, absolutely. And that brings us into chapter two, which talks about the lands of the Croatan, uh, what the Umbra is like and notable cairns um, that the Croatan specifically at the beginning are connected with. Dear Lord, this is a long ass chapter. This is an incredibly long chapter. It is a long chapter and they give like some of the stuff in here is awesome. And I go, Ooh, yeah, that's cool. But like, it's like pages, pages and pages of Karens that are all just kind of the same and lands that are, you know what? I know what the Midwest land is like. I don't need an entire five paragraphs on it. And then you telling me in the Umbra is the, I know what the Umbra is unless it's something specifically different. Yeah. And it gives us a listing of all three tribes and their lands and all of this information and again it's one of those things that there's lots of word count spent but not enough for me uh, not enough difference for me to be like this is interesting and so i want to run a story set around reopening this cairn or something like that all right so i will say this as american we forget how big america is absolutely I have, I have, I know it's going to be crazy. I have online friends, right? Who are like, you know, we went to another country yesterday. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Talk to me. And they're like, yeah, we were in the car for two hours. And I'm like, it takes me two hours to get out of my state. Right. What? You know, and, and so like, I, I think we're so used to, you know, them going, here's a book on all of Europe. You know, and we're like. Well, yeah, okay. And you have a paragraph on each, but um, North America is so huge. If they were going to write a book and give it the same detail that they gave all of the other places that they've done, they did have to do this. It's just boring. Yeah. After a while. Yeah. You know, like, I would much rather them go, hey, you can have, you can make whatever Karens you want here's some, uh, here's like three ideas, go for it. You know, here's three main Karens and there's a bazillion more instead of naming each of them and giving me five sentences on each one. Yep. 
a toolbox would have been more useful here than than what they gave. And it's not bad if I wanted to specifically tell a story in Alaska, I could pull this book out and go, okay, what Karens are in Alaska? Great. I have that information now. I can tell a story specifically set in that location. I found out if and when I write Rage Across New England, I have information on what Cairns are in Maine and uh, some of the other Mm -hmm. parts of of New England now. And I didn't know that that was in this book before I read it. So that was helpful for me to be like, okay, I've got some of that. But again, it's repetitive and it's a lot of similar ideas in places. And I'm, I, there's only so many of these I can read before I'm getting bored. And that's a shame because it should be something that's interesting and exciting and, and, and engaging material. Um, This chapter does give us a section on the other shapeshifters Mm -hmm. in North America, which again, I appreciate, but I don't think it's long enough. And I actually wish they had used some of the word count from the, Cairns from anywhere, yeah, um, to tell us about more of what the other shapeshifters are doing in North America. Um, that would have been really, really helpful. So I have a weird question. They say that there's no Mowgli. That yeah, was weird, right? That's incredibly weird because shouldn't there be in Florida and Louisiana? Right? Yeah, like that was just weird to me. Like, like I get that they're more of a South America is where they would be but like there's so many alligators and you can't tell me there weren't alligators in florida in you know during this time period like it was just strange to me right it's odd because there should definitely be a macaulay and there aren't and you kind of look at that and go okay thanks for Mm -hmm. um it's just it's yeah i came away from that part going okay that doesn't seem right but i'll i'll at least accept it for while I'm reading this book. Right. Yeah. If, if you're going to run something, have a Mowgli. Right. That's silly to not. Right. It then has a section, which I think is useful on talking about Native American spirituality. The problem with this, of course, is it's a huge overview of thousands of different groups <laughs> who all had difference in differences in spiritual um, thinking and I, I think they do a decent job of saying these are some common threads that you can utilize or think about or at least have as background knowledge and then do your own research if you're going to do like specific um, nations that you are going to reference and, and talk about certain myths that they have. But I, it's one of those things that I'm like, either give us more or, or bullet point it or bullet point it. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about uh, different things that Native American people didn't have, as opposed to the things that they did have. And I think that's an odd framing to talk about the things that they don't have. But I guess it's helpful for us just to be aware that cows weren't a thing in North America. You know, bison were, but uh, cows were not present, obviously, uh, until Europeans brought them. Okay, so I'm going to say something that's a little defensive of that. They weren't, they were writing it for the reader. Sure. And the reader knows about cows and assumes that when you talk about farming, there's cows and chickens and, uh, you know, you know, when you, when you have a farm, you have a plow, you know? So they say Native Americans didn't have a plow when they farmed, they did this instead. And, And so like, I, I do understand maybe not only using that as a way to explain things, but you know, that, that is important because our brains are wired for what we know already. Sure. I can understand that. And I guess it makes some sense. Um, And it's useful information. None of the information in here, I think makes me uh, think, Oh, this is useless. It's just, I wouldn't have necessarily framed it in the way that they did. Sure. Um, Sure. But that's fair. They then talk about the kinfolk of the various tribes. A lot. A lot. (laughs) And this is a very long section on different Native American nations who I understand 
in this book why why they think okay we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these native nations and some of their culture and some of the different things that you would have present in a story about them but it's also a game book and i need to be able to take this and apply it to my werewolves and i'm struggling to do that with a lot of this information so i I did make a note that made sense. I'm glad you said that because now this makes sense. So, and this I think also goes for when they're talking about the seps and, and all of these things, you know, when they talk about each of these things, they give you just enough information where it looks like, oh no, they have a whole paragraph on this, but it's not enough to do anything with. And everything is real passive. And I don't mean like, like the, the, the groups are passive. I mean, the way they word everything is passive. Even if they're like, they go to war a lot. Oh, well, give me about what? You know, like, you know, they, you know, it's just, it's, it's real. Here's some information, but it's kind of, it's not even dry. It's, it's just like, yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. It, <laughs> it's information. In yeah. not even an encyclopedia sort of way, it's <laughs> yeah. It it made me go a lot of the time while I was reading, <laughs> going, "This is this is." If I was specifically going to tell a story about the Miwok, this is not enough for me to do that. Nope. And it's throughout like like that where I'm like, "This is just enough for me to go." I don't now i'm gonna go do some more research i suppose but there's there's not enough of a hook or an idea for me to yank on to really tell a story with it or and a lot of it there's not even enough information there or juicy information there for me to go oh no that's the one i want to go research right because they all kind of read the same right yeah, and it's a shame because mm -hmm. some of these people are are beautiful peoples with lots of really interesting elements of their culture that if I'm telling a story referencing them, I'm going to want to pull on those threads and uh, express them in a really yeah. three-dimensional way. And this is just a very flat sort of sets of information and... It's, it's just a shame because it feels like they were trying really hard and it just doesn't quite give me what I need. They just don't hit the mark. Yeah. That's and I, I don't think it's from lack of wanting to be respectful. I think they were incredibly respectful here, but they don't, they don't give me enough as a storyteller to work from either. But, well, and we, we, I, I mentioned that it's almost like they were, be, they were so focused on being respectful and, and they should be, but you know, like they were so focused on being respectful that they forgot about the werewolf aspect and the fun game aspect of it. Right. Right. And that's chapter two, which goes on for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And really, uh, while I was reading through this book, I thought, geez, if this is all this book is going to be, it's going to give me nothing absolutely nothing but then in chapter three oh wait i've got one more thing i want to talk okay. about in chapter two the very last thing in chapter two <laughs> the last page is titled marrying animals yes so uh, this this came up on the discord once already and there was lots of drama and people have lots of uh opinions on this um and the only opinion I have on this is why didn't they just say marrying spirit animals? It would have been much more appropriate. And we it would have made everyone go, oh, okay. And then it would have been done and over with. Cause right. marrying a spirit is very different than marrying a bobcat. Right. And <laughs> spirit animal relations with the Garu is a thing that is, mm -hmm in the lore already we already yeah. have examples of that and yeah. particularly in later editions in world 20th anniversary edition we have spirit heritage where mm -hmm. spirits are directly ancestors of some characters this doesn't feel inappropriate if it's no. framed that way yeah and they just they just leave out that word spirit 
And so it's like, it reads a little like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. Not a lot, just a little. Because I think I know what they mean, but maybe not. Right. <laughs> if, if people want to read in between the lines in a different direction, I guess they could, but no. <laughs> yeah. They also give, a, a, I think, an interesting picture at the end of chapter two of a centaur fighting a werewolf. And I want to know why there's a centaur in North America. Like, please tell me this story (laughs) because I feel like this is a story unto itself, but there's no mentions of centaurs prior to this. So that's it. That's the chapter head for chapter chapter three. three. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. So I assumed that that was a monster. Capital M. Okay. That's what I assumed was going on. But it, yeah, it could be, but I, that is a story hook right there. I want to mm-hmm. know more about what this centaur thing is and it would have been very cool. furry centaur too. It is. And it makes me, you know, it's got horns. It's weird. It, it also has long flowing hair. It, it does. That's pretty amazing <laughs> hair. It's and interesting. Fiddle. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I think that's supposed to be blood. It's getting punched in the face. I like it spittle better. <laughs> okay. Like he's so mad. He's just like. <laughs> he Maybe. T- talks like Donald Duck. <laughs> I just decided this. I'm sorry. I'm ruining the book. I'm sorry. <sighs> so we okay. get into chapter three. And <laughs> actually like, please stop talking. I'm really happy about chapter three. Because chapter three finally gives me some chronicle ideas. Some places for when to set a chronicle and what might be happening around then and what sort of uh, of themes and ideas you can pull from. Um, It references the Wild West and, you know, being able to utilize those books and how to do so. Yeah. Um, And then it talks about this idea about what if other Garu came to North America and what sort of stories you could tell with that and, this idea of, of generational chronicles and what those would look like. And there's lots here that I'm like, this is useful. This is really helpful for me as a storyteller yeah. to, to grab a piece of information and tell a story from it, from this. No, absolutely. This is the most useful section of the book, hands down. And I actually think the most useful section of this chapter is the section on monsters. Um, I, I love monsters. I love them. I I wanted I want a whole book on just monsters. Yep. Like there's I, I don't need the rest of this. I just you know how how do you make uh yeah, like how to make monsters? Monsters are great because they're basically basically like Fomori, but better. When when I used to run in my, my LARP in a big organization. And I ran werewolf and, you know, there's lots of rules like, you know, well, you can't use this kind of monster or, you know, or have this or this generation vampire and all these things. And my staff would always go, oh, no, no, no. They weren't fighting a mummy. They were fighting a Fomori with mummy like powers. And so Fomori, you know, with Fomori like powers or however we worded it um, became like the new staple to just do what you wanted and tell the story what you wanted without all these rules hanging around because it was just a Fomori who just happened to, you know, be resemble able to, this other thing. Yeah, yeah. Resemble this other thing in whatever way. And monsters are kind of like that. You know, you, you set up the parameters for what you want them to be able to do. And then they just do it. Right. And that's the kind of storytelling I enjoy because I want to be able to have that leeway if my players are super smart and think of something, even if I don't have it figured out, but if they're like, yes, but you know, it was watching the, the gold on my necklace. So clearly it's afraid of gold. So I'm going to stab it with this gold spear and I'm going to go, yes, that works. You know, I didn't have that planned, but the, you know, like whatever tells the best story is what I'm going to go with. And monsters actually, by the rules, allow you to do that. 
and I and I really dig that as a storyteller. Um, For sure. You and know, there's a lot so, of interesting monster lore in Native yeah, American yeah. mythology and Native American stories that, and there are lots of them that are, I wouldn't, I won't say free game, but are at least not taboo topics mm-hmm. that you can grab the idea of this creature and utilize it in your story, either in, in a Native American tribe story or in a modern story where you're like this creature has lived here for hundreds of thousands of years and it is still here and now your pack Mm -hmm. has to deal with it no absolutely those are in any even not even in werewolf games in any game not even white wolf games like having legends like that uh you know ghost and um uh, local legends is what the word i was trying to come up with um is so enriching to the game and this is a way of having those local legends have some actual literal teeth and um i don't know like and and you can set the tone for your game by using that um the the one that they mention in the book uh, three faces mm-hmm. i love because it sets this horrific and ridiculously funny monster right it's both it is a giant three-faced head that is as big as a guru that just rolls around eating people like that's so stupid and funny until you see the picture of it that they drew where it's got somebody's legs hanging out of its mouth yeah and you're just like horrifying and like when you hear it, mm-hmm. when someone would tell me that story about it, I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, and, can and- you imagine as a werewolf hearing someone tell you the story going, oh, you are a bunch of baby werewolves. Why are you all freaking out about this? And then you roll up and there's a giant three-faced head eating a lupus. Like, no. Right. <laughs> it's great. It's good. And uh-huh. they give you a couple examples of, of mm-hmm. things like that. And I like, they give you themes that tie into Native American stories as well and say, these are the types of stories that Native American peoples told. And this is how you can tie monsters into that type of tradition. And that is really useful for getting the, the flavor of, I want to represent Native American culture effectively in my story. This is a way to do that, even with creating your own monster. Because I believe three faces and I think like um, some of these other things are made up as it were but they are they are rooted in the idea of similar creatures and that's enough okay also um, we, we should have a little bit of a, a warning um, there is a we should have said this at the beginning there is talk about cannibalism in this book yes um, you know that's, um, there, there is a uh, deep-rooted um, worry in in a lot of um, older Native American stories for things like that. Um, and so that is mentioned a lot in the monster section. Um, I also want to point out um, that there's a, it's not there's not a lot of uh, a lot of it mentioned, but there is a on, I remember I, I specifically wrote down page 103, so I don't remember even what it was about. Besides, um, they they do mention rape a few times on that page. Um, and it has to do with like monsters. Um, you know, a lot of the monsters are, you know, kidnapping people for such things. And um, so be aware of that when you're right. in this section. Right. Yeah. There. they fall into a bit of the white wolf trap of like, these are bad things that bad things do. And Mm -hmm. you, and while yes, if that's okay for your game, great, but make sure it's okay for your game. Exactly. Check with your players before you include any of this content, Um, particularly with those two trigger areas. Mm -hmm. Um, They do talk about something like uh, they um, sour ground, which I actually, I think too. I think that's actually what where the rape was mentioned. It might be. Um, I remember. Correctly. But I remember looking at this uh, idea and going, this is Maybe. kind of the pet cemetery yeah. thing. 
that they're riffing on and mm-hmm. this idea that some places are just uh, tainted bad. or whatever bad. Um, it's, it's an interesting one that you can play with and do different things with. So I did. They also talk about that being um, that that happens where they've um, found Baines. Right. And I don't know, like part of me is just like, that's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Like if, you know, like, I, I don't know, like at some point, like, it's like, is this worth it? <laughs> like, gee. I don't know. Yeah. No, but, I, you know, I get that. There's a, there's a lot going on in this book and mm-hmm. there's, it would have almost been better if we had gotten, this as like a couple of separate books. Yeah. Rather than one, which is, you know, I understand why, but if they had done a Wild West book series, that was this book and a couple of others, it yeah. would have made a lot of sense. It, probably, it might not have sold as well, but um, it would have at least made some sense. Um, I Again, you know, at, at the end of this, they give you a, a couple of different monster examples. I like them. I think they're all really good. Um, so I have a question. Yeah. Are hairy men, are they, are they big feet? Yes, they are Bigfoot okay. and Sasquatch and so But forth. they don't actually say that. They just... They just call them hairy men, yeah. They just call it... Why would they not just call them Sasquatch? I don't know. Because there's a reference to Sasquatch being the former... Younger brother. Uh, younger brother's totem mm-hmm. before he went bad. And it would have been interesting to like, like tie that in. Right, yeah. Because I just kept thinking, what would happen if you were a younger brother and you came across one of these hairy men like would they you know be disappointed in you right like 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 that that would be a fun story (laughs) there's lots of stuff you could play with there like right are they are they humans of some form that are that are different and are they are they your kinfolk, baby? Mm-hmm. Like, there's lots of well, things and, you could do there. And they talk about how, um, uh, how, how sometimes they kid not kidnap children, but they'll take children that have been abused and they'll raise them. Or do they, you know, like? And I just kept thinking, well, you know, we we've got you know animal marriages in here. Like, what what if like a, a younger brother? And one of these hairy men had a kid. Would that be like an original Sasquatch werewolf? Like, and then I'm like, wait a minute. There's <laughs> there's lots of interesting stuff there potentially. Yeah. Anyway, so yes. yeah, um, that gets us all the way through chapter three, which I think was great. Um, again, yeah. I'm really happy about that chapter because I think it really redeems this book to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we get into chapter four, which is called Children of the Middle Times. And it's specifically about creating characters in this time before the Croatans sacrifice themselves. So it gives you enough information in theory to play a Croatan or at least create one. <laughs> I'm here. I don't know what to do, but I'm here. Right. <laughs> it, it gives you a lot. Uh, more abilities and knowledges and so forth and I'm like great I I never like it when you give me more of these things because Uh I don't really know what to do with them half the time I'd rather Uh use the base ones and take these as specialties or something like that Um, it gives you gifts which some of these gifts are are one they're helpful but there's not enough of them there's not enough croaton gifts in here for me to actually run a croaton character it gives you three starting gifts, three level one gifts, and then a couple of higher level ones, and that's it. So what it feels like it's done is it may it's made all of these like put these gifts for people to try to talk their storytellers into allowing their glass walker to have. Right. Well, no, because because you see, I this reason why. No. You know, right. it just yeah, it just felt like they were spicing it up for for players in future chronicles, not a Croatan chronicle. Yeah. And that's not the goal of the book. In theory, the goal of the in book theory. is to be... Okay, 
hold on. That is always the goal for White Wolf. Let's <laughs> let's not let's not kid ourselves. You know, White Wolf has always had a problem with knowing it needed to go bigger and better for people to be able to buy bigger gifts and more, you know, but I want to be able to have a right that calls down thunder and lightning and you know, and you're like, no, you don't need that. Yes, I do. Right. White Wolf right. has always encouraged that. Yeah. Yeah. They've always provided the power gamer some tool to utilize mm-hmm. if they want it. Um, and they provide them here. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, you have level six rights even. Um, <laughs> so if that's something you want to get into, you can go right for it. Um, it provides totems. And again, some of these are really interesting. And I like having them. Um, it provides some more um, fetishes. And I, again, these are interesting. And I, I could probably create a story around them. Um, so I kind of look at this and go, this is a useful and kind of expected chapter <clears throat> to, to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, I, I don't know. I might want it to be bigger. because Or it, smaller. Or smaller. One or the other. Like, I think this book could have been a 90-page book and been fine. Or could have been three separate books. Right, and been better. Yeah. I will say, I'm, I'm glancing through, um, they do have a, a level two right that made me laugh really hard because it's right of the song duel. And it's basically a rap battle where you make two players rap battle. There's no, there's no mechanics. You just make them rap battle and whoever does better wins. And I thought that's something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool idea. <laughs> but I'm a mean storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Next time someone starts disagreeing on Discord, we're gonna cast that right, and they're gonna have to rap battle each other. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I so imagine we- everyone on the Discord just went, "No." Yeah, no, I don't think so. Thanks, though. We have that one person that's like, I'll take... I will do it! Um, We've gotten to the end of this book. We're at 130 pages. 130-page book. 128 pages, technically. And I, I... There's lots of things I wish for this book. I think it... I think we've talked about all of that, you know, in depth, what I, what I wish mm-hmm. for the book. But overall, I think... It's not a bad book. It just doesn't do what it tells me it's going to do. And I think that's a shame. And I don't really know what to say other than that. So I don't think this book is necessary, unfortunately. Like, I wanted it to be. I wanted to read this book and be like, I can run a better game now. Yeah. I don't think I can. Like, I don't think it hurt me. Like, I didn't come out of here going, oh, I'm so, I don't understand this. You know, like, I mean, I understand it. But, like, I I don't feel like I'm going to be a better storyteller for having read this. So, yeah. I do not think that this book is essential. You know, there's there's some neat things in it, but not 128 pages of neat. Right. And it's not enough even that I would hand this to a player who says to me, I want to play younger brother and I want to represent oh, no. them well. I, I no. probably wouldn't give them this book I, because I don't think they would gain anything from it that would help them. And, and that's, a, again, that's a shame. I think like the book, the idea of the book was solid and the, uh, the, some of the, attempts to catch some of the information was useful but it's not it's not it's either not enough or it's too much and it's hard when you've got a book like this it's that well it just feels like they just went middle of the road on the entire book yeah 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 well um out of out of turtle shells, how many uh, out of 10? <gasps> how many turtle shells out of 10 would you No, can book? we just say whole turtles? I don't want to just use their shell. <laughs> okay. no, turtles, just... out of turtles. Oh, poor, poor turtle. <laughs> I want to run a plot where he wakes up and it just goes, what's happening? Stop right. that. And like wakes up all the kinfolk that are asleep. And he goes, I'm going to fix this because you all suck. <laughs> um, out of turtles. <sighs> I'm going to give it five. 
Okay. And that's for the five Ninja Turtles. And that's it. No Fair. more. I think I'm going to give it four Turtles out of ten. Mm. Um, I think the storytelling chapter in this is really worth it to read. Um, so I think that's the, like, if there was a chapter, I'd be like, hey, go and read this out of this book. That's what I would direct someone to. I would uh, just direct them at the monsters. That's it. Yeah. Monsters all the way. Like, I want to do a monster like campaign. Like, just monsters. That would be cool. And like, because to me, like, the idea of making these like wacky, crazy monsters, it does, and it doesn't have to just be with the Pure Land tribes. Like, Fianna battling monsters, changelings battling monsters. Like, there's, it's so, like, that's, that, like, there's a, an element of fun that comes back yeah. that takes away some of the heaviness of where you're just like, and then everybody dies, you know, and you're just like, the worm wins. And I don't know, like, when, when you're battling a monster, it's like, big M, you know, I don't know. Yeah, there's a chance of success and it feels like you're succeeding at the thing, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, welcome back to Werewolf the Podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, until we finally get an answer to the question of when will you rage, we'll talk to you again next time.